Hi, I'm Jessica Hansen, and this is the People Before Profits podcast, where we talk to ordinary people about extraordinary things. In the first part of this episode, I sat down with three members of the CEL team, Leah, Isabel and Zachary, to discuss how and why they got into the law. If you haven't already, be sure to check that out. In this part of the podcast, we ask ourselves how accessible the law actually is. We also talk about the competitive nature of the legal sector and offer some key advice for hopeful solicitors and solicitors to be. Please enjoy. One one harsh reality of the law, whether you're going to be a lawyer um, training con- going for a training contract or obviously pupillage, is it's a very competitive mm. industry. So how do you feel like that's dealt with? How does that affect you? What do you think? What are your opinions on it? Sometimes you feel like it can never be done. Mm. If you accept that fact, then it's never going to happen. Yeah. So don't. <laughs> you've got you've got to keep a positive mindset yeah. in this type of area, don't you? Yeah, yeah, 100%. Just keep trying. Get to know people. Because I think if you're just applying to random places, just seeing online, oh, there's a training contract being offered here, I'll apply for that. You don't even really know them. You don't know anything about the firm. You don't know about the people that work there. Yeah. You're probably not going to get it. And part of that is that you might not even like it. You need to Mm. know that you want the training contract there. Um, And if they know that. Thank you. (laughs) No, I I love these points. I always think it's like dating. Don't want to be seen as desperate. Don't want to just date (laughs) anybody. You want to have a think about who you are and what you want as your perfect match. And that's how you should Mm. approach the law. Mm. Because if they even get the slightest idea that you're doing it because you want a training contract, not because you want a training contract with who you're applying with. Why would they give it to you <laughs> at the end of the day? Similar to like you said, if you're dating someone just for the sake of dating someone, not dating someone you want to be dating, then why would they date you? It's, Absolutely. You've got, to be yeah. att- you've got to be attractive to them as well. So you've got to know your strengths and weaknesses. Any of your strengths, you need to show how you can promote that. Any of your weaknesses, you need to work on it. So you have to be very self-analytical don't you and you have to keep that positive mindset in the law as well because it can it, it can be a lot it's a lot of pressure isn't yeah. it what what do you both think about that I think you've got to obviously like a firm would look to invest in you giving you a training contract you've got to show them that you will invest in the firm as well mm. I think um in this day and age particularly when I was in university we were all just geared to be going for the commercial law firms or the more international law firms And I knew from a young age that the type of questions that I was trying to complete in the application process, they just weren't, for me, they weren't suited for myself. I think I'm someone who would come across better in person rather than behind a screen trying to answer questions. So for me, I felt that I needed to get in with the firm first and get to know them to make sure it was the right fit for myself. And I think then that firm sees you for who you are rather than someone just answering a question that they've asked. Um, Particularly with the training contract application process here that I took part in, um, that obviously built my confidence up a lot and I felt encouraged to go for it. It wasn't the standard questions, commercial-based questions. We talked about that in um, in the first podcast, by the way, so we really went into what we do at this firm right, okay. and how unique it is. Mm. So I just think that 
people are put off potentially when you do go to university and it gets to maybe like second year or third year and people are really starting to to apply for the training contracts you are very much guided to go for the big international law firms and you're because not told the small you can do it high street firms just aren't going to rock up to the main no, university no, exactly. so again without that representation you might not always be aware of them yeah so i think it's just to bear in mind that every law firm offers them there's just different routes into it it's not a case of you need to go and do this application online you can get a job first find out they're the right fit for you and then go for it internally which was definitely more suited to myself so yeah absolutely i think as well just not taking it as a personal rejection against yes, you. Yeah. I think I used to be really, I could not handle rejection if I was to, you know, get knocked back for something. It would really knock my confidence. Mm. And it's just realizing you've not got it for a specific reason. It's probably not that they yeah. just don't ever want you to work there. They just think, you know, at this point in time, you're perhaps not ready for it. So particularly um, this firm, I think there is people that haven't got it on their first time, isn't it? And they've been given it yeah, on the second time round. It's just, it's not, a personal or vindictive decision you're never going to get a training contract at this firm it's just you're not quite there yet go away and do xyz and come back and try again and again it might be like what zach's saying if you're applying somewhere and you don't really care about them and you've just applied you can't really take it super personal when they do yeah, <laughs> you may definitely. not want you because it may not be the right it might just may not be the right fit so Again, it's really thinking about your strengths and weaknesses, your likes and dislikes. If you haven't done a lot of work experience, then think about the subjects that you like. What was it that you liked about them? What didn't you like about them? Have a look at the firms, maybe boil it down to five, five firms that you really like. Go and stalk them (laughs) (laughs) online, in person, go and speak to employees that are there, see the inside scoop. And then really tailor yourself to them and as as Leah said what is it you know a relationship to two-way street isn't it what is it that you can offer them not not just um regurgitating you know this is something that I said in my in my speech went to the universities is it's not just regurgitating their values but it's actually showing them how do you embody their values what can you bring to the table um, that may just have the edge on other people as well. And it's really thinking about yourself, isn't it? Okay, a couple of questions then before we wrap up. So, Zach, what made you enter the legal profession? Now, you said it was a long story. <laughs> it, it is a long story. In short, there's kind of two parts to it. So I liked reading into the law anyway. Mm. I liked reading into it since I studied at... Um, Northbrook in music performance. Um, I learned about IP law, just found it interesting. Yeah. Um, but from there, um, I, as I mentioned, worked in retail for a while. Um, during that period, a friend of mine was arrested for a fray. I won't go into too many details as to why or what happened, but I can be a day to say, <laughs> <laughs> I can safely say I am 100% certain that it was not a fray. And his representation was not good, um, mainly because it was almost completely lacking. Um, from what I understand, the solicitor he was given was extremely busy, 
just didn't have the time. So they were just a number two then? Yeah, effectively. And he was just advised to plead guilty. Mm. Um, But maybe that wasn't the right advice, do you feel? I truly feel it. Mm. He, in hindsight, feels it. Um, and you trust that person you well. trust that person I mean have you all seen like on Netflix the confession tapes and how yeah. people mm-hmm. give false confessions so you just trust authority sometimes and mm. you're so you're in such an emotional state of distress that we should have an obligation to be super professional and be given the right advice yeah care. exactly exactly and in short it still ticks me to this day. Yeah. So um, a big part of why I applied for, for law at university was, okay, well, if I'm that mad at people who are bad at giving representation, why don't I be one of the ones that at least try to give good One of the good guys? Yeah. That's amazing. That's a fantastic story. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> right, follow that, Leah. <laughs> I'm only joking. I've got a different question okay. for you. <laughs> Um, I have, what have you found to be the most challenging part of your academic or professional journey? Um, I think it's probably not having the right amount of confidence in yourself. Uh, see, I give confidence training. And I think sometimes people are like, why is Jess giving this training? But so it's, important. It is so important. I think if you don't believe in yourself and you don't believe in that your, your capabilities, trying to then tell a client what they're going, how the case is run or what you, you can do for them. They won't have any faith that you know what you're doing. Um, I think that's so important to just work on, which obviously comes with experience. Um, in terms of the academic side of thing, I think I found it, I personally didn't realise probably naively that after your law degree, you're not qualified. It goes on as well. Exactly. After that, yes. <laughs> so, you're training, you've got your PSA. Exactly. Your it's not ended yet. So I think it's... Um, it's difficult. It can be a dis- bit disheartening when you think, oh, it'll take me seven years or whatever. Mm. For it's example, myself, it will so take seven a lot, years. a lot of investment. It is a lot of investment. So I think there are bumps along the road and you just think, is it going to be worth it? Because I've started five years ago and I'm still not there. Um, so I think it's hard to come to terms with the end goal is, mm. you know, the main thing. And it, there's going to be bumps in the road that may stop you, but you've just got to keep going and remember why you really went into it. Um, I think practically and sort of do it on a day-to-day basis I think it can sometimes be hard managing clients expectations yeah when you you know obviously you, you you're doing all that you can for them and they just think well we're going to win we're going to win and you have to be the one to say there's a possibility that that isn't going to be the case and you've then got to sort of say well, sometimes you've got to be the bad guy Definitely. sometimes you've got to be that mm. bad guy there's a lot of um confrontation in yeah. the law, so people who don't like confrontation, sometimes, you know, you'd be negligent if you're providing um, the wrong advice. And I think sometimes clients' mindsets are, we're going to win and I'm owed a million pounds. Yeah. And that's not Definitely. always the way, is no. it? So I think it is managing them at the beginning and being that person to say, you're not going to get that. That isn't what your claim is worth. But I appreciate that the impact that this has had on you. Um, we'll do all we can. So I think it's just getting into that mind frame to be sort of, a little bit more harsh and saying this is how it's going to work you know we'll do all we can but we're not going to promise you the world is definitely being yes, truthful yeah. and providing accurate advice but in a caring way yeah definitely amazing amazing isabel is there anything you think should be changed about the legal sector academia legislation anything like that i think in terms of kind of access to the profession i think 
access to a law degree doesn't seem to be an issue. I looked around, my law degree, it was very diverse. It was very female dominated. So then it's reflecting that within the profession itself in practice. So why then, if the degree is going to be so female dominated and Mm. so diverse, why then, if you look around kind of the top law firms and their boards of senior staff, why is it so male dominated? Why is it predominantly white persons that are, you know, in those kind of top positions? So I think there definitely needs to be change, not in terms of accessing the degree itself, but in getting into the solicitors' firms, the barristers' chambers, etc. I think people now are moving more towards having equality and diversity policies, but having a policy is not going to be effective if it's not put into practice. I feel like if you can't see it, it's so hard. And representation is lacking at the moment. You know, I take it really seriously that I'm obviously a female that runs a law firm. That's why we have our female empowerment sessions. And when I first started, I saw a lot of women in the law. But as you climbed up the ladder, less and less women. So now I personally feel like we're definitely on our journey in terms of women but then I look around and I think, wow, I still do not see enough diversity. Where are all the black solicitors? Where are they who own law firms? They're just not there. And it must be so disheartening to not see somebody that looks like you. So I would just say to anyone who doesn't see the change, be the change. I know that's easier said than done. But I think we all agree that change is absolutely needed, isn't it? Absolutely needed. So what are the practicalities then that you would put into place what do you think that we can do I think it's obviously controversial and people are going to have different opinions about it you know in terms of kind of favoring the BAME candidates the female candidates there is always going to be people that feel put out by that you know people from the more like traditional law backgrounds um but I just think if the policies at the moment aren't working and there's not people coming up through the ranks that are more increasingly diverse then more drastic measures probably are going to have to be taken because there's not many young black female you know Asian lawyers coming up as you say so I think that there does need to be policies put in place in terms of employment and in terms of funding as well you know is it that more accessible yeah more accessible funding I feel like there definitely needs to be education pieces as well within law firms that make People who own law firms understand the benefit um, of having more diversity as well. Yeah. Anybody else on that topic? It's a hot topic. I mean, as a white man with a Southern accent, I can safely say I have been given some more opportunities in a lot of places. Really? Yeah. Um, There have been situations where... I mean, I don't know why that was so shocking. (laughs) Really? Yeah, what a shock, I know. Um, But, like, for example, in mooting competitions, people would immediately take me more seriously. Right. Just because my voice is the way it is. Yes. Um, It sounds, I I suppose, more professional. So that must mean I would make a better solicitor or barrister in some way. Yeah. Um, And even in competitions where I'm very certain other people did better than me, I would score higher than them. And And how did that make you feel? It honestly a bit sick because it doesn't feel earned sometimes. Yeah. Um, Like you can tell when something feels. And isn't the law meant to be about fairness? Yeah. (laughs) You can tell when something feels like you've earned it. And you can tell when something feels like it's been taken away from someone else who might be more deserving. 
Um, I think the only real way to sort out the climate with this situation is for, sorry, I was straight white men out there. Um, just do what you can to just help other people yeah. and, you know, that acknowledge that you have this it? privilege and maybe do some good with it. <laughs> yeah. It's that allyship, isn't it? And it's really putting yourself mm -hmm. out there and helping where you can, if everyone did their little bit, then the world would be a better place, wouldn't it? So thank you for shining a light on that. Everybody, I really appreciate that. Um, just to wrap up this brilliant um, episode, thank you so much. We've had a lot of different routes into the law. Um, we've talked to trainee, somebody starting from the front door sort of thing, an owner, a barrister. So there's a lot of different... Um, sort of ideas and perspectives as well some really great points as well what would everyone's takeaway be or advice to anybody watching or listening if i start with you zach because you've had some great <laughs> <laughs> you've had some great comments don't be afraid to start from the bottom and if you get a leg up somewhere along the way take it but be happy with it um if you don't that's fine just keep walking do what I did. Your grades might not be perfect. Your general clothing might not be what people are used to in the legal field, but just keep going. It'll work. People will also like you. It's nice. Yeah, be yourself. Be yourself. Amazing. Leah? I think it's just about being confident and believing in your abilities and capabilities. You don't have to be the most academic person in the world, but I think as long as you believe in yourself and keep going... Um, I think challenges are good. They make you who you are. Um, and I think just keep working hard. You will get there. If it's your end goal, you will get there. Amazing. And over to you, Isabel. I think it's just recognising that you're not going to immediately be at your end goal. You're not going to walk into your dream role that you eventually hope you will end up in. So it's realising what conscious steps can I take towards getting there along the way? You know, is there a different role where I can develop my own skills and competencies that I would be happy in, you know, for the foreseeable whilst I'm working towards that. So, you know, you don't have to arrive at your final destination straight away. It's finding something suitable and enjoyable for yourself along the way. That's amazing. Thank you three so much for joining in on this podcast. I hope that this has really helped someone listening or watching. My biggest takeaway is actually everyone's talking about their mental health state in how to approach the law and how to go through the ups and downs because it is a big investment and it is a big journey. So thank you so much for your time today. Thank you so much for listening to the People Before Profits podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to like and subscribe to our channel. See you next time.